Welcome back to Don't Punt to Geo, your UNC football podcast on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by TarHillBlog.com on the SBNation.com network. My name is Chad Floyd. I am joined again by Jacob Cowden. Uh, today we are talking SEC. You may say, hey, Chad, uh, y'all didn't record last week. It would have seemed a logical time to record a Big Ten podcast. Listener, we did record a Big Ten podcast, and we are working to get it out of the deep abyss that is the internet. Uh, that is our only housekeeping news, and we don't really care that much about the Big Ten. It's mostly Michigan, Ohio State, and whatever we make of Penn State and Nebraska anyway. But if that comes through, we will get it to you. Jacob, how are you, sir? I'm good. You did forget the Iowa geography lesson we had in that Big Ten podcast. Oh, man, we do need to get the uh, Big Ten podcast back up and running, don't we? Yeah, that Iowa geography is big. But other than that, you know, I'm ready to talk about the SEC where it just means more. Well, it does mean more. Um, You know what? It means more than it does in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where there is not a Big Ten football team. It means more than it does to the Pac-12 with whatever they're doing. But um, I'm excited for this one. Uh, The SEC is always fun to talk about, even if the teams that are going to end up meeting in Atlanta are somewhat a foregone conclusion. Um, So, Jacob, I'm going to just let you kind of dictate where we go to start in the SEC East. I think there's a pretty obvious uh, winner. But if you want to start at the bottom, um, I could talk some Vanderbilt or Kentucky or Tennessee. Let's start at the top because I actually am interested to hear what you have to say about Georgia. Um, there's a part of me that just to be different, tried to think of a way where Florida could maybe knock off Georgia and, and win the SEC this year, but, but I don't see it. Um, Jake Fromm, I have my, my number third quarterback in the country. And even though I actually don't love him, just the more film I watch compared to everybody else, I actually think all the hype is, is legit, even if he's not going to set the passing yards record or anything like that. The running back, Andre Swift, I really like there. I mean, they're just so talented. They have the number one class recruiting uh, two years ago. I think talent-wise, they're on par with Alabama and Clemson. The big question for them is if they can actually beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Man, I was planning for this podcast, and you took the words pretty much right out of my mouth. Uh, basically, Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson, if you put them side-by-side, side, uh, there's really no difference between the three. The difference would be that Clemson has been to the top of the mountain and they put their foot on Alabama's throat last year in the national championship game. Alabama has been on the top of the mountain for the past decade. Uh, Under Kirby Smart, Georgia has not yet finished it off. Um, They have had double digit leads against Alabama twice. Well, twice in the calendar year 2018 and could not uh, finish the drill. And the question kind of becomes, do they kind of slip into that Buffalo Bills status or can they rise above it? Uh, For me this year, Georgia's going to have the best offensive line in the country, bar none. They're going to have the best running game in the country because of that. Um, Doesn't hurt when you have about, you have a four deep of five-star running backs. Their passing game concerns me because if Jake Fromm goes down, there is nothing behind him. Uh, with the attrition of Jacob Eason and Justin Fields, that's obviously a big hole. Uh, I actually went on my friend Daniel Palmer's uh, UD pod last week to talk about this, but Georgia has had no attrition from these recruiting classes except for at the quarterback spot. So that is kind of concern number one. Concern number two is that they don't really have any proven receivers. 
And then concern number three is they're still a little bit young. You could still say next year's the year that they become the fully equipped Death Star. But their defensive pass rush is going to be just worlds better than it was last year. Uh, They took a big step back on defense. They're going to be a top 10 defense, probably efficiency-wise a top five offense. They're going to be really tough to beat. And I've got them winning the East. I do see a path to Florida winning the East, like you said, though, and we can talk about that. Yeah, because Florida, I think we probably both have a number two. Auburn's, or excuse me, Auburn is the toughest road game for Georgia. But other than that, it's like Tennessee's probably the toughest road game. Florida's obviously a neutral site. So the schedule works out really well for Georgia, where I'd be shocked if Florida does beat them, even though. A shock is, is wrong because I do think Florida is really talented. The biggest thing with Florida, I was going through my notes on players I wanted to talk about. It's more players who have left their program than players who are still with the Gators. They've had so many transfer issues and program issues this offseason. Yeah, with uh, with Florida, I mean, just as it goes to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, that's always such a weird game that, you know, you can just drop any cliche, throw all the records out the window, blah, blah, blah. Um but the fact is that game was ultra competitive until about 10 minutes were left in the fourth quarter last year. And that was uh, year one under Dan Mullen with Felipe Franks back with most of that defensive line back. Um, the defensive line for Florida caused Georgia more problems than anybody outside of maybe LSU did last year. So from that perspective, I see that being kind of a toss up game, really. Uh, the The issue becomes, I don't see Georgia losing to really anyone else in the SEC East where Florida, I think, has a lot more variability. Um, Kentucky obviously got off the 30-year schneid and beat them a couple of years ago, and that game's on the road. Uh, Tennessee, Florida is always a little bit heated. They go to LSU, South Carolina, and Missouri. Um, Those are all tricky games, whereas for Georgia – you know, really, you look at Florida, Auburn, and Texas A&M as the only possible, I mean, remotely possible losses in the SEC. Yeah, Florida, I think most of those games you mentioned, they're going to win, but I also think they're going to lose at least a couple just because it's Florida. So even if hypothetically Florida beats Georgia, I don't see Georgia having another SEC loss, and I think Florida's going to lose they're, you know, they got at LSU, they play Auburn, at Missouri, like all those teams. They're going to lose, I think, a couple of those games. So even if Florida wins that game, I think Georgia still has a much better chance to win the SEC East. Yeah, and and I think, you know, if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say Georgia would win the Florida game 70% of the time. But it's still just weird enough to, you know, kind of talk about these teams in the same tier. And then with – um. With Florida drawing Auburn for the from the uh, SEC West as their rotating opponent, that kind of offsets the fact that Georgia plays Texas A&M in what is normally the SEC SoCon week. Um, that's going to be a really weird game in late November for uh, Texas A&M to actually play Georgia for the first time in the SEC um, that late in the season. So that, as a person with a Georgia degree, concerns me a little bit, but I do think Georgia's the favorite. Florida is number two, and the rest of the teams are all kind of in amalgamation, but worth talking about. Um, any Anything else on uh, Florida? I mean, roster-wise, their offensive line loses everybody, but they bring back pretty much everybody from the skill position. So they're, they're going to be fascinating. Um, 
like I said, their defensive line and secondary are both very strong. Uh, Florida's a legit top 10 to 15 team, I would say. Yeah, no, I think I think they're like maybe seventh or eighth in the coaches' poll in the like five to ten range. I think that's where they should be. I think, you know, nine and four, ten and three. I think they can get ten wins, but not when that's easy. It's kind of like I think last year is kind of a good indication of where they'll be at. Partly because, like you said, the SEC East, you got Missouri, you got South Carolina. I, you know, the other teams, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee. I think any of those teams could beat Florida, but. They're not. They're not all going to be Florida. So I think Florida is a, a clear number two, even if they're close to Georgia. And then after that, we kind of got a bunch of teams that could. I think Missouri will finish third, but if they finish like sixth in a weird season in, the, in that division, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well, behind Georgia and Florida, I mean, this is a lot like the ACC Coastal, where there's no point in trying to pick uh, the order of finish because it's also variable. Um, just for the interest of. North Carolina fans listening to this on the Tar Heel Blog podcast. Uh, let's let's go to South Carolina next. Um, your boy Jake Bentley. I know he's your boy. Uh, how how high do you have him ranked among your uh, P five quarterbacks? So my P five quarterback, he came in at either twelve or thirteen. Let me pull up the list, but twelve or thirteen, which I know is higher than it should be, but I'm just banking on a big. Yeah, he came in at thirteen. I think he's going to cut down his turnovers. He had thirteen last year. Um, he does everything right except the turnovers, except those boneheaded mistakes. I think he's going to cut that down. I think it's also a little dumb of me to bank on that because he's been playing for, for so long where we kind of know what he is. But I'm banking on a, on a current turnover decrease for him. He has a great arm. He does so many little things right in terms of play recognition. Um, he can throw off platform and, and he's accurate. Um, he's a senior. He came out his first year in Columbia. Should have been a senior in high school. So this isn't the the Jake Bentley fanboy podcast. So I'll cut it short. But I'm a big fan. I think he's going to cut down on his turnovers. I have him top 15 in the country um, out of Power Five quarterbacks. Yeah, for South Carolina, uh, the biggest issue for me is just the schedule. I mean, I, I think talent wise, they're probably a top 20 team. Um, but they draw Alabama from the West, get them at home in Week Three. Uh, they play at Georgia, obviously play Clemson um, on Thanksgiving weekend. So they've got the three best teams in the country on their schedule. <laughs> um, also, their crossover opponents, Texas A&M, who is no slouch. And then out of conference, obviously, they got the heels in week one. They also pull Appalachian State, which is an interesting game. Maybe by that time, uh, Scott Satterfield or Scott Satterfield, uh, Eli Drinkwitz kind of has it all figured out. Uh, hopefully he does not have it figured out by week four, but maybe by week 11 he does. Um, I, I said this on my friend's podcast, but South Carolina could be the best uh, four and eight team in history if uh, things don't go quite well for him. Yeah, they're I mean. The I'm trying to look at an easy schedule. I think the easiest three-game stretch is Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Appalachian State. And other than that, they got Alabama. Um, they got to go at Georgia, at Tennessee, which even though Tennessee is still on the road. Um, yeah, exactly like I said, love the talent, but the schedule, Phil still had him rated the number one schedule in the country in terms of difficulty. So um, I think if they can get – Eight wins would be a huge achievement, I think. I don't think they'll get there. I think six or seven is probably more likely, even though they're a top-20 team talent-wise. Yeah, and I, I guess I kind of went in order of who I thought were the best teams, and the next one I think is going to finish higher just based on who they play out of the West. Uh, Missouri, um, 
as of this recording, bowl in, ineligible for some BS uh, off the field. Um, as UNC fans, we've definitely been there. But uh, what do you think about Missouri in year four under Barry Odom? Um, got Arkansas and Arkansas and Ole Miss should be two SEC wins uh, against the West, which is not something anybody else in the SEC East can say. Yeah, and looking at their schedule, so their non-conference they got at Wyoming, and then West Virginia, Southeast Missouri, and Troy, uh, Mississippi at home. They could be seven and zero, and then they finish the year with Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, and Arkansas. So you know we're probably gonna lose that Georgia. I think they can beat Florida at home. They they pounded Florida last year, but where they could be seven and zero and ranked and overrated by the time they play Georgia on November 9th, just how the schedule works out. Yeah, I have them finishing third as well in the division a lot because of the schedule. I think South Carolina is a better better team. It's weird that they're in year four, Barry Odom. I feel like Gary Pinkle like just retired there. Dude, well, uh, you heard me hesitate. Like I, I was thinking year three off the top of my head, and you could have told me year two, and I would have believed you. Um, biggest thing for Missouri, I, I don't really think their defense is going to hold up to the pounding, you know, against the Georgias, the Floridas of the world. But uh, offensively, they bring in Kelly Bryant from Clemson. I'm not completely sold on Kelly Bryant being good. Uh, obviously, he's in the news today as not receiving a championship ring from Davos Swinney. That's another topic for another podcast. I think, if anything, uh, what makes Kelly Bryant a good fit for this offense is the tight end, Albert Okwigabunum. Um, I'm going to butcher that name all season. He's the best tight end in the country, and having a guy like that who you can who can bail you out is going to be huge for this offense. Yeah, and I like their running back. His name's Larry Roundtree the third. Um, I like what I saw in the film from him. So they got some playmakers on offense, and then schedule wise, it works out where they could have a pretty good year. Yeah, um, let, let's uh, go over to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, in year two under Jeremy Pruitt. They had a you know, as as much of an encouraging year zero last year as you can really have, uh, five and seven with losses to West Virginia, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Missouri, and then dot, 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 Vandy. Um, they're not going to have a year two breakout like Georgia did a couple of years ago, but the sheer volume of returning talent they have, they're, they're kind of a wild card in the SEC East to me. Uh, what What do you think about Tennessee? I'm, and so their first three games, they got Georgia State and then my alma mater, BYU, then then Chattanooga. But then they go Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, and South Carolina. So that, like, October stretch plus Florida in a little bit is going to be rough for them. And I guess where I'm most interested to see, they're going to be starting or projected to start two true freshmen uh, five-stars at left tackle and right tackle. And um, Darnell Wright, and I might mispronounce this one, uh, Wanya Morris. They're both five stars coming out of high school. But I think starting two freshman tackles is um, going to be, be tricky. They returned uh, a bunch on offense, including Jared Guarantano, uh, the quarterback who beat out Stanford transfer Keller Chris last year, which did surprise me a bit. Um, I think they'll be better by seeing full eligibility. Um, they're going to have to beat Kentucky, Vanderbilt, they actually, if they win all their own conference games, they'd only need two wins against um, the SEC East. So I guess they could do it. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to win seven. Uh, Mississippi State at home feels like a toss-up to me. Um, 
and Tennessee, you know, generally they have that stretch where they play Georgia and Alabama in three weeks, and the third game is kind of a swing game for them. Last year they won at Auburn in that third game. Uh, three years ago they actually won at Georgia on a Hail Mary and then uh, lost to Texas A&M on the road in double overtime. So I think Tennessee's probably going to be a team that sets themselves up to be overrated next year. That's a lot of Tennessee teams, I feel like, too. So they're yeah. right on track in Knoxville. God bless them. Uh, the biggest surprise last year was Kentucky. They went 10-3. and three. Um, They lose pretty much everybody of note, Josh Allen, Benny Snell. Um, this has got to be a step back for Kentucky, right? Yeah, they lose Benny Snell, like you said. I think he had about 1,500 yards rushing. Josh Allen had 17 sacks last year. Uh, he was the number seven overall pick in the NFL draft. Um, that's so much talent to replace on offense and so much production on defense. Um, Terry Wilson, their quarterback, I didn't know how I felt about him. I think I rated him in I, about 57 or 58 in terms of the power five quarterback just because there were a couple of games like the Missouri game last year. For whatever reason, I was watching Kentucky-Missouri, and, and he, he just couldn't do anything. So he, they had to actually pull him, and the backup came in and still ended up winning the game. But unless it's Tua or Jalen Hurts, like if you're getting pulled for the backup, that usually isn't a great sign about you. So I think I actually have them last in the, the division, but I think they could finish sixth. Um, Vanderbilt's the other team we're going to be talking about. Short answer is they lose so much talent uh, and production. More importantly, they're not just losing starters, but like crucial starters. Yeah, and – you know, I, I think they take a step back. Maybe they get bowl eligible, but they're going to be kind of on that cusp. Um, Vanderbilt kind of in the same boat, not a threat to win the SEC East. Uh, the problem for Vanderbilt, their first three games are home against Georgia at Purdue, a bye week, and then home against LSU. Um, I see an 0-3 start for them, and then it can kind of spiral from there. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think Purdue is going to win that game, and then they're they're fighting uphill. They still have – games against you know the rest of their division i think they have some playmakers i really like their receiver uh lipscomb he had a little less than a thousand receiving yards last year uh their quarterback is a ball state transfer named riley neal who um if he can put on a little more weight i actually think he's a pretty good player but um i think just like every year under Derek mason the vanderbilt head coach they get eligible that'll be a win yeah and you know, if, if you're a betting man, Derek Mason's probably the most likely guy to get fired out of the SEC this year. Um, I don't think that's quite fair, but they're, they're just not going to be as good in the trenches as any other team in the conference. And that's more of a Vanderbilt issue than it is a Derek Mason issue. Um, without really uh, hashing out Vanderbilt too much, we're going to grab a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back to talk about the best division in the country, the SEC West. And we are back, Jacob, as always. I know it was a refreshing break for you. Um, do you have anybody besides Alabama winning the SEC West? Nope. Well, I do not. Uh, <laughs> well, they won, they won SEC games by an average of 29 points last year during the regular season, so I think that's fair. Uh, they bring back Tua. They bring back Najee Harris. They bring back two of the three or four best receivers in the country. Um, their offensive line reloads, and then their defense, Raquan Davis, Anthony Jennings, Patrick Sertan, Trayvon Diggs. I mean, just absolutely loaded across everything. Um, they played Duke in a neutral site game in week one. 
what are the potential stumbling blocks for Alabama in the regular season? I mean, I was going to say LSU, but I think Alabama's dominated them like the last seven years in a row or something like that. So it's hard to, to keep pounding the LSU thing. They play Texas A&M at home, excuse me, like on the road. So it's home for Texas A&M. Both teams are off a bye. Uh, and obviously the Iron Bowl, that's just one of those games where you never know what the heck is going to happen. So even if they, they could lose one, of the, I think those are really the two games they're most likely to lose. Even if they lose one, though, unless it's weird, like where they lose to Auburn and because like tiebreakers, Auburn wins the SEC or SEC West at least. So I don't see any scenario where Alabama doesn't go. I think they're more likely to make the playoffs than they are to win the SEC, but I think they're going to go undefeated. Yeah, um, we try to talk ourselves into the LSU game every year. Uh, LSU generally lays an egg every year. Um, I mean, they could drop at Texas A&M. They could drop at Auburn. Um, but it's not going to be enough to keep them from the West title or uh, or playoff eligibility. Um, let's keep it in the state of Alabama because Auburn is the most intriguing team in the conference to me. Uh, they've got probably – in my view, the best defensive line in the country. Um, and with Gus Malzahn calling plays and two quarterbacks who are more than Nick Marshall mold than the Jarrett Stidham mold, I think they could go back to kind of being the Georgia Tech of the SEC where they are extremely explosive, um, a lot more efficient, and then they have the receivers to take the top off defenses. I love Auburn. They're my favorite team to watch that I don't care about at all just because of the offense. Uh, That's a trigger warning for me. Yeah, sorry. Um, They got their quarterback. They got two freshmen. So there's true freshman Bo Nix, who was Mr. Alabama last year. And then Joey Gate was a redshirt freshman. Um, He's a bit bigger. I think Nix is more talented, so I think he's going to start. But, yeah, either way, it's going to be more of a traditional Gus Malzahn offense. Um, I think I have um, third. Actually, third or fourth. I think Texas A&M is a better team, but I have Auburn finishing ahead of them just because, again, Texas A&M's schedule kind of the same thing as South Carolina. Um, but, yeah, their D-line's incredible. Um, Derek Brown, I think, is, is the stud, the defensive tackle they have. Mm-hmm. But, so, yeah, I'll, I'm excited to watch them. Yeah, um, Nick Coe, Ashboro, North Carolina natives, another headliner on that defensive line. They also bring back their entire secondary and their entire offensive line. And when I look for surprise teams, that is, those are kind of the two spots that I look at. So I think Auburn is low-key the second-best team in the SEC West. And with Alabama at home, it could be one of those weird Auburn years. And I say that kind of in a hushed tone because they have to go at Texas A&M, at Florida, at LSU, play Oregon out of conference. They could go seven and five, or they could go eleven and one. Um, yeah, I'm kind of high on Auburn, and that scares me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that Oregon Auburn game—that's like one of the circle for like the whole schedule, but especially week one. That's going to be a heck of a game because Oregon's like super fun to watch with their offense they run. They have another top five offensive line, Justin Herbert. We already talked about Oregon is Pac-12, but that's going to be a great game. I know. Well, the Auburn-Washington game wasn't great last year, but I think the Oregon-Washington game will be better this year. Yeah, and and I think that's a game that Auburn's defensive line kind of makes a name for itself on a national scale. You know, I I can see them shutting down uh, Herbert and Oregon pretty easily. But from there, I mean, they've got their work cut out for them beyond that. 
especially with a true freshman quarterback. Um, you mentioned Texas A&M being potentially better than Auburn. Are you buying into the bowl bump from them beating NC State 52-13 to in the Gator Bowl? I am, and I hate that I am because I had them higher, but talent-wise, even though I, I never know what to think of Kellen Mond. He's been their quarterback. He's been kind of all over the place for me. I finally settled. I think I had him 23rd in the country. Um, so, but yeah, looking at their schedule, they have the fourth toughest schedule, according to Phil Steele. They go at Clemson, Alabama. Then they last begin of the year at Georgia and at LSU. Um, and they, the question mark for me is their running back. They lost Travion Williams, who's a, a six-round pick, to the, the Bengals, but he's a better college player than, than six-round pick would indicate. So I'm interested to see the offensive production they had. I think talent-wise they're good. I think they're a couple years away, though, uh, with Jimbo Fisher's recruiting from being good. So um, you're making me rethink it. But I do have them as a more talented team than Auburn, even though I have Auburn finishing ahead of them. Yeah, um, the the year two bump for something like Georgia in 2017 is rare. And A&M, you know, fits that mold with good recruiting that takes a step up with a new and accomplished head coach. Um, my issue is that they lose so much on defense. They don't have, if we're comparing to Georgia still, they don't have the Roquan Smiths of the world. Um, I think def- defensively they're going to lose a few games that maybe they shouldn't. And I think I like Kellen Mond a little bit better than you do, but I'm not sold that, you know, with some turnover on the offensive line as well, that they're going to be able to hold up against Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Clemson. Um, that's that's just a lot for them. And I've got them underachieving this year, but building towards uh, 2020 and 21, uh, they're, they're going to be a problem for the SEC West. Yeah, I think they're best. At best, I think they're going to have four losses because Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Clemson, I think maybe one of those games they get a win. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to get that this far into the podcast and really not mention LSU until this point. They won 10 games last year. Uh, Coach O did something right. Uh, Joe Burrow was extremely inefficient but good enough. Do you actually believe that LSU is going to open up the offense, or is this the same trope that we've been hearing about LSU since, I don't know, like 2009 under Les Miles? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like, I like Joe Burrow. I think he's a better athlete than than he's given credit for. But, yeah, he's inefficient. Um, they should be better than they are. They're always so talented. But um, I think they're good enough. They're going to beat Texas that second game of the year. I think that will be relatively a blowout. Um, but and other than that, like their defense is loaded. Their their secondary is incredible. They they have two guys at least who could be you know top two or three round picks in the NFL draft. That Grant Delpit and then Christian Fulton. If I mispronounced that, please help me yep. out. So now you're. I like this. Yeah, I like the secondary. The, the They actually got – this is not relative at all, but they got the number one player in the state of Utah last year, uh, recruiting-wise, <laughs> which is where I'm from. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to – I think they're going to lose to Alabama just because they always do. Um, and then I feel like they always win a game or two they should, shouldn't, but then lose a game or two they shouldn't as well. So the Florida game, I think I'm excited to watch. Uh, they play at Mississippi, who we don't think is going to be that good this year, but – I really like their quarterback. I think that's the game they could lose. It's right after the Alabama game late in the season. So I think they'll – I don't think they'll get to 10 wins again. 
I think if they do, it's going to be because they beat just the pants off of somebody in a bowl game. Um, you know, I feel like nine and three feels right for LSU. And, you know, similar to what you said about Auburn being one of your favorite teams to watch, despite no rooting interest. Um, if I did not have degrees from UNC and Georgia, they would be kind of my low key. I really enjoy the hell out of this team team just because they bang their heads against the wall. They try to play man ball in an era where man ball is the least efficient thing you can do. But I went down to Baton Rouge for a game last year and it's the most fun college football experience imaginable. So um, low key LSU stand here. I, I, I hope they go 11 and one, but I don't think they will. Yeah, I um I don't hope this because I don't care. Like rooting wise, I don't care, but I do want to see them beat Alabama at some point. Just I, I'm starting to feel bad for LSU fans who so I know like are so sick and they care about it so much. Yeah, well, um, eventually they will, but uh, Nick Saban might be uh, dead and buried by that time. Yeah, I don't think it'll be this year. Yeah, I don't. We didn't bring this up, but Tua, I didn't realize that he he broke Baker Mayfield's record for passing efficiency last year. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, when you play two and a half quarters a game, uh, you can do that just being 16 for 20 for 330 yards because Alabama's that much better than everybody else. Um, yeah. that That is the secret of Alabama is that if you are that much better than everybody else and your third team is better, is probably a top 15 in its top 15 team in its own right, uh, you can you can get away with some things. And you know, I think Clemson and Georgia are catching up. If you um, if you made me tell you who's going to win the national championship this year, I'd still say Alabama because that's the safest bet. Let's talk about the three less interesting teams in the SEC West, and then I'll let you get out of here. Um, I, I know you're on lunch right now, so this is how Tar Heel Blog operates. We take lunch breaks to uh, talk about the SEC. Arkansas is the most – Damn right. Arkansas is the most interesting team um, between Arkansas, Mississippi, and Mississippi State to me, just because I enjoy what Chad Morris does. Um, similar to Jimbo at Texas A&M, you've got year two there. They really, really went ahead and tore it down last year. And, you know, I mean, this is a team that got beat by 30 points by North Texas last year. Do you think Arkansas can – hit the turnaround switch quick enough to make it to bowl eligibility this year? Because I look at that schedule. Go ahead. Well, sorry, you can finish. I was going to say, I mean, Portland State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and Western Kentucky, that should be four out-of-conference wins. So can they win two games in the SEC? Well, I mean, I'm excited. I don't think so, but maybe they got their quarterback. They had two transfers, uh, Ben Hicks from SMU and then Nick Starkle from Texas A&M actually transferred there. So whoever started the quarterback is going to be a transfer. I I think they got at Kentucky, and other than that, I don't see them winning an SEC game. So maybe you're higher on them than me, but like you said, I love Chad Morris. I love the offense he runs. He had a top 20 recruiting class this year. So they're definitely on the right track, but – I think they'll improve from their two-win season last year, but I don't think they'll get the ball eligibility. Yeah, and you mentioned Ben Jones or Ben Hicks. Uh, the secret about him is he was at SMU. He was recruited by Chad Morris to SMU. So, you know, maybe just with a little bit more talent around him, he can be better than a guy who threw for 71 touchdowns and, pause for effect, 34 interceptions. 
um, at SMU. But yeah, I mean, I don't really think, I mean, I, I think they're a five and seven, maybe six and six team, just because, you know, it gets so weird in November where you could see them going to LSU and winning just by the nature of that rivalry. Um, home against Missouri, at Mississippi, at Kentucky, you know, I see them winning a couple of those games. And just one more note on Arkansas, they have a linebacker named Bumper Pool, which is awesome. We should make uh, we should do a podcast where, like, all name team in college football, like best names. Hey, shout out to Storm Duck. <laughs> um, do you have them ahead of the Mississippi schools, or we just want to talk about Arkansas? Um, I don't want to talk about Arkansas any more than you do. I do have them ahead of Ole Miss, so let's go there next. Okay. Yeah, um, Ole Miss, the, the two things I have on Ole Miss is I love their quarterback, Matt Corral. I actually think he plays a little bit like Sam Howell, um, North Carolina's freshman quarterback who, who could start. Uh, Corral's a bit more – he's going to move around the pocket a bit more, but I think throwing motion, like playing wide, they have similar mentality. And I really like their running back, Scotty Phillips. He's, I think he's a JC transfer, if, if I'm right on that. But yeah. And I love their coordinator hires. They got Rich Rodriguez from Arizona, Michigan, West Virginia. And then they got uh, the former Colorado head coach, who I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, um, Mike McIntyre. Yeah, McIntyre. So they both, both those guys won Pac-12 Coach of the Year. I know it's Pac-12, not SEC. But I think Matt Luke, his biggest thing as – the former interim now head coach thing was experience. A lot of people said he doesn't really know what he's doing. I think getting two head coaches and former head coaches in there are going to help him out a lot. So I like the coaching hires, but um, I think bull eligibility is going to be borderline with them. Yeah, it either works really well or it kind of becomes a too many Chiefs, not enough Indian situation. And if Luke just kind of takes the CEO role, it could work really well. I worry a little bit with Rodriguez and freshman quarterbacks. Um, most of his success has come with a little bit more experience behind center. Uh, they also lose Greg Little, uh, who was drafted in the second round, I believe, by the Carolina Panthers off the offensive line. What I really like about Ole Miss is their defense. Um, they've got some guys left over from the Hugh Freeze era, uh, including Benito Jones, uh, Kadir Shepard, Josiah Coatney, um, Miles, Hart, Miles Hartsfield, and Jaron Julius. These are guys that can really play, and I'm probably a little bit too low on Ole Miss. I just don't really see how it all ties together just because the overwhelming sentiment out of uh, Oxford, Mississippi, is that Matt Luke is not the guy, and I kind of tend to agree with that. Yeah, they got, on top of Greg Little, they lost three pass catchers, uh, Dawson Knox, tight end, DK Metcalf, and A.J. Brown were serious to the NFL as well. So it'll be interesting to see like what they do with the combination of Experienced defense, new offense, two new coordinators as well. Yeah. Um, what do you think about uh, Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State? Because Dan Mullen had that program geared up to where last year was the year. And if you just look at the amount of talent they lost between Montez Sweat, uh, we could talk about the quarterback situation definitely improving this year. But they were – absolutely an SEC West contender just based on senior talent last year. And I think they take a step back this year, but does Moorhead just a uh, second year in the system um, bringing in Tommy Stevens as a transfer from Penn state where he coached him for two years. Does that do anything for you? 
Um, yeah, I actually like Tommy Stevens. I think he's a good fit for the program. Um, that's why Jordan Morehead brought him in, obviously. The defense, I didn't realize how good they were. They gave up 12 touchdowns in the regular season last year. I think they didn't give up a rushing touchdown to the Alabama game, if, if I'm remembering that right. So I think they're naturally going to take a step back from that. But I like Tommy Stevens. Um, I like their running back, Kylan Hill, as well. So mm-hmm. I think they have some talent, but that the division's so tough. The defense is going to take a monster step back, even if they're still a really, really good defense. Um, and I think last year they're eight and five. I think they'll be about that, but six eight wins probably for Mississippi State. Yeah, um, they they've got the cheapest of all cheap SEC SoCon week games. Uh, they're playing Abilene Christian on November twenty third. So you know, there's one win. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you like, uh, I mean, where last year they had just monsters of humans across the defensive line, uh, they are starting over there. They've got uh, Chauncey Rivers, who I remember transferring out of Georgia, um, going to JUCO, and now he's uh, back in the SEC as Georgia transfers tend to be. But they're going to take a step up from Nick Nick Fitzgerald at quarterback just – with a pulse under center, but that's really all I can say positively about Mississippi State. I think they are squarely in the uh, Ole Miss Arkansas tier this year, which are exciting games when when those guys get together. So, yep. So Georgia Alabama in the SEC title game. Yeah, and then I have Alabama winning, but Georgia definitely can do it. That's more of a a show me thing with why I have Alabama winning that game. Brother, I am with you on that. Um. Jacob, what do you have coming to TarHillBlog.com um, here in the coming week or two? I know it is uh, preview season, and you just got the receiver preview out, I believe, on Tuesday as we record this here on Thursday. Yeah, I think the receiver one came out Tuesday a couple days ago. The defensive back one is coming out uh, the 23rd of August, if I'm reading the schedule right. So a week or two, I have the defensive backs, my guy Patrice Renee, and, and the rest of them. I really like um, – even with injuries, I really like the, the defensive back group, so I'm excited to, to dive in a bit more to that. Yeah, and I'm excited to see what Dre Bly does with him. Um, you know, first-year college coach, it's going to be interesting to see just what kind of technical changes they make. Um, I think they will definitely be more aggressive in seeking creating turnovers. So I'm, I'm fascinated to read that one. If you can get some quotes from uh, old Dre, you know, let me know. I, I run into him in Charlotte every so now and then. I'll see what I can do. Good deal. Well, uh, as for me, I started uh, cranking out a, opponent previews. I've got uh, South Carolina, Miami, and Wake Forest on TarHillBlog.com this week. I guess I'll have three more next week, although my schedule is a little bit trickier. Um, other than that, y'all know what to do. Leave us a five-star review on your podcast app of choice. If I can see it, I will read it on the air. Um, No new submissions this week, which is quite disappointing. So please go ahead and do that. Go ahead and click subscribe. Go ahead and take your mother's phone, your grandmother's phone, your son's phone, your daughter's phone, your aunt's phone, your wife's phone, your husband's phone. Click subscribe on that. It really helps us out. It helps us attract better guests. Um, Not that we don't have great guests already, but let's just say more famous guests. So, Jacob. Until we're famous, keep it locked and go Heels.